Hello and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alerts podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Jack Anstein. And I'm Casey Murray. On today's episode, we'll hear another story from our Outstate project focused on entrepreneurs in small town Missouri. This installment focuses on Kirksville entrepreneur Lacey Cook, who made an unusual business pivot during the pandemic, selling her pet grooming business and opening a wine bar. And later, we'll hear from Sid Panchal, the owner of a vegan Indian food eatery who navigated a process many entrepreneurs do by turning his food truck into a brick and mortar restaurant. Plus, we'll have this week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know. So what are we waiting for? Let's speak startup. Jack, have you had any exciting plans recently? Yeah, actually. Over the weekend, my sister was engaged. Oh, wow. That is exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, of course. Her fiancé asked me to be the photographer, so I got to take pictures of it and be there for that moment. Oh, that's so cool that you got to kind of be involved in sort of a unique way. Yeah, it was really special, and they both seemed super excited. Did the pictures turn out okay? They turned out great. I got a lot of compliments, so we'll see if I have more photography in my future. But with that, let's get to the headlines. San Francisco-based startup Grub Market is expanding into St. Louis. The company, which provides food delivery service, has acquired St. Louis-based produce distributor Vicaro & Sons. The terms of the deal were not disclosed, but the acquisition follows Grub Market's $90 million Series D financing round in 2020 and its expansion into four new states. Technology startup Safety Culture, which has its North American headquarters in Kansas City, is now valued at $1.6 billion. Initially founded in Australia, the startup recently raised $73 million. Safety Culture makes software that helps businesses train employees on workplace safety and quality and has gotten a big boost in demand from the pandemic. Kansas City Metro-based artificial intelligence firm Torch AI announced plans to create nearly 500 full-time jobs in the region over the next five years. Torch AI's decision to invest and grow in Kansas City is tied to a $27 million tax incentive package awarded to the firm by the Kansas Department of Commerce. The announcement also follows Torch AI's $30 million Series A funding round in March. Pure Pitch Rally, a Kansas City pitch competition for tech startups, has opened applications for its 2021 contest. The competition allows for on-the-spot cash funding as well as a series of business boot camps. Startups must be based in Kansas City to apply. The competition is in its sixth year and will select eight startups to participate in the competition in October. So it's been a tough year for bars and restaurants. That's just stating the obvious. Absolutely. Lots of places have closed, and it's been tough on communities. But as many hospitality businesses have closed, some have opened. One entrepreneur in Kirksville, Lacey Cook, opened up a bar in January, right in the middle of the pandemic. She made that move after selling a dog grooming business she had run for 15 years. Wow, that's a big transition. How has it gone? In the latest installment from our Outstate project on entrepreneurs in small-town Missouri, Reporter Feiyu Su visited with Cook to find out a little more about the business and how its first months operating have gone. Lucy Cook, owner of Sit Downtown, thank you so much for spending some time speaking with me today. 
Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. So first, tell me about our stories, how everything got started. Um, well, I did actually grow up in Kirksville. A lot of people are are sometimes surprised to find that out. So um, I, I did grow up in Kirksville. Um, after graduating Truman State University, I did work for them for a year. Um, and then I stayed home and had my first daughter for a year. Um, and then the thought... Um, just kept coming that that I didn't want to be behind a computer at a desk all day. And what was it that Kirksville was missing that that I could provide or what business or service was needed here? Because I felt like, you know, there's this whole world going on around Kirksville and um, it, what what could we do here just to kind of bring it up? Um, and provide people with something that wasn't already here. So um, that's when I opened, um, it was Positive Animal Works. And, and a couple of years ago, I had visited um, a, a little town um, outside of Nashville, Tennessee called Franklin, Tennessee. And there was this establishment and it was my cousin, my sister and I, and we went and we just had, you know, a couple of bottles of wine and like appetizer top alike. Um, food and we just sat and we connected and we enjoyed each other and we weren't on our phones. And um, so I was like, Kirksville just needs kind of a laid back place like this. So that's where I got the idea. And how did you develop the entrepreneurship spirit? We're going back a couple of years. So I grew up in a house with um, my mom, um, raised my sister and I as a single mom. Um, so I saw someone that worked very hard and she didn't have an option. So Though sometimes I resented that, um, even in college when I was working 40 hours a week and going to Truman and my roommates, you know, never had to work and um, it was very hard and I resented it, but I'm so happy that that's how I did grow up. Um, because again, when, when you don't have another option and you have to work and, and you learn the value when you work hard for something, um, I feel like you appreciate it so much more. And, um, you know, and so that's the background I came from. I watched a very strong woman um, do it by herself. And um, it was something, you know, I had to start working at a young age and, and pay for my own education, you know, setting up my own um, utilities and signing my own rental contracts and having to interact and negotiate, you know, certain um, business transactions myself. I think I, I learned a lot um, and it was just, able to be more independent, whereas other people, you know, had relied on their parents or then even getting into the point where people relied on their spouses for all of those things. It was something that, that I'd been there, done that, had to learn myself. Um, and, and I have, I, you know, made a lot of mistakes, but I've also then been able to go back and, and learn from those. So um, what, like I said, used to make me very resentful that people didn't have to do those things. I think that's, what I'm very grateful for now is because I know I can do it myself and I've learned a lot just by trial and error and having to, to get it done. And you have been running Positive Animal Works for 15 years and now you have a huge transition into <laughs> a completely different field. How did you feel about it? It's been fun. It's been exciting. It's been energizing. I feel like I'm learning again. Um, a lot of times at work, it just became monotonous and, it, and it's hard, the, the dog shop, you know, it was hard labor. So I felt like um, my body was working a lot harder than my brain. Um, so that that's one thing I just needed that excitement again. And it has been exciting. And um, 
just, you know, teaching myself new things and learning new things and learning just different aspects from other people and meeting, you know, people that were already in the food industry that maybe I hadn't crossed paths with yet um, at Positive Animal Work. I found it interesting that you started Sit Downtown January this year. It's actually during a global pandemic and there is a downturn in the restaurant industry. How did you make that decision to open it? This is another tough one. It was something that I had been planning, of course, before the pandemic. And when things weren't moving forward as fast as what I had wanted in the planning process, I became like very frustrated because it wasn't moving along as fast as it should. I felt horrible. A lot of restaurants were going out of business, but then that allowed me to buy used equipment. So um, online auctions, um, you know, I got a lot of like cool seatings. We have like leopard booths and granite tables and um, just our kitchen equipment. And again, I felt very um, saddened and unfortunate that other restaurants were going out, but then that was a benefit to me because then I could purchase those things, you know, at a lesser cost. Um, but I just, again, it was one of those things that I had been planning that had been in my head, um, kind of like the first business. I knew that, you know, failure is not an option. So just with that planning and, and hard work, I knew I had to move forward. Is, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Um, I'm always happy to share my story or, you know, if there are any young entrepreneurs, I feel like Kirksville um, is on the rise. I know there's a lot of, you know, larger corporations and corporate coming in, but um, I'm excited to, you know, help um, revitalize the downtown. And I think there's a lot of potential in Kirksville. And I still think there's a lot of things that are needed in Kirksville that would be successful businesses. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. Let's now turn our attention to something I really enjoy, food trucks. I still remember having amazing coconut shrimp from a food truck a few years ago while on vacation in Florida. Yeah, I don't eat at food trucks very often, but I love to try them out when I can. Of course. Overall, food trucks are a growing industry. Between 2015 and 2020, the market grew by more than 7%, according to Ibis World. But the food truck industry faced speed bumps during the pandemic and the total U.S. food truck market last year dropped by $160 million, or about 13%. I can imagine there are a lot of differences in running a food truck compared with a traditional restaurant. For sure. And one thing I've noticed is that food trucks have cheaper starting costs than restaurants, so are often a doorway to opening a traditional restaurant. Right here in Missouri, we've seen food trucks like Columbia-based Ozark Mountain Biscuit Company and St. Peter's-based Heavy Smoke Barbecue transition to brick-and-mortar locations. In fact, 31% of food truck owners started a food truck business as a test concept for a traditional restaurant, according to Off the Grid. I recently spoke with Sid Panchal, a St. Louis entrepreneur who turned his vegan Indian food truck into a traditional restaurant. I learned more about his experiences running a food truck and what this pivot meant for his business. Sid Panchal with Bombay Food Junkies, thank you for joining me. To get started, can you walk through how you first launched your business? Sure, absolutely. So we started off in 2013. We decided to kind of do something different in life. And then that's when we were kind of watching food truck uh, race or something like that. I believe it was, I think it was called food truck race or something like that. And we kind of got inspired by looking at, you know, the possibilities of having a food truck. And we're like, you know, it just kind of spot off a moment. Like, what if we had a food truck that, you know, sold like Indian street food? 
I know that in early 2020, you transitioned your food truck into a restaurant. 31% of food truck owners use their food truck as a test for a traditional restaurant, according to Off The Grid. Was this the case for you? Yeah, so that's a great question. So honestly, when we opened, we started the food truck, we didn't really have any um, plans or we didn't even dream that we would be owning like a proper restaurant at one point. What happened, it's probably circumstantial because uh, St. Louis being the the weather it is you know because we do only get like i would say four to five months of good nice warm summer right rest of it is either too cold or too hot <laughs> so especially during summer winter time we didn't want to kind of like we saw the effects of the food truck business slowing down in winter and we had employees that we had trained up by that time and we said like you know, how do we keep these guys around so we sold the truck in february of 2020 and then we moved into a full-time restaurant you've mentioned a couple of challenges you've had running your food truck are there any other obstacles you've overcome so it took us a while i would say at least like a year year and a half uh to at least get people to understand the cuisine and also be able to feel comfortable ordering stuff from our menu. Pretty much yeah, what we have done, um, you know, kind of try to kind of just do what we do and kind of just get the word out to people and, uh, you know, let people try, you know, and the word of mouth is what has worked the best for us. And what are ways you were able to find success through your food truck? The main thing with food truck model, I would say, is the variety of your menu. Right. Because when we were around, uh, there were about 50 food trucks and six of them were taco trucks. Right. So if you just bring another taco truck, you're not going to do as well because people are looking for for something different, something unique from your food truck. How did your experience running a food truck differ from your time running a restaurant? There's a big difference. Right? On food truck, you can actually churn out a whole lot more orders in a short span of time with less number of people, uh, but it is sporadic. And what I mean by sporadic is one day you would do 100 tickets, next day you do 25, next day you would do 50, and then you might do 500. You don't know. It's just very unpredictable because of the fact that you're going out to different locations. Sometimes you don't know. You don't know what you don't know, right? So, uh, but since food truck menu is compressed, you don't really have a restaurant style menu. You only have like two or three appetizers, about three to four entrees, couple of drink options, couple of dessert options. And that's pretty much it. Uh, so people come to expect a small condensed menu. Uh, and especially when you go out to big events, they are used to waiting in line for 30, 35 minutes to get the food. On the flip side, on the restaurant side, you need a lot more people. You need, because you need people to manage the front, you need people to bust the tables. But at the same time, after being this location for a year, we know exactly what to expect. Like I can tell you how busy I'll be on a Saturday or how busy I'll be on a Friday. Uh, very rarely do we get surprises. But food truck, every day was a surprise. I know you switched to a restaurant at the beginning of the pandemic, but do you know how the food truck industry was affected by the pandemic? Basically all the big food truck events were canceled slash shelled for over a year now but for two years last two years a lot of food trucks have either kind of adapted to the pandemic and started doing these little what they call is block parties you go to like a cult you go to like a neighborhood and you park over there the people from the neighborhood come out and buy food socially distance and all that fun stuff um other food trucks have kind of scaled down their operations quite a bit uh, some have closed down because of the pandemic Another food truck industry statistic I saw from Off the Grid is that 30% of food truck owners are immigrants. Do you know what factors may contribute to that? 
Uh, I think the startup costs sometimes because they're owning a restaurant and starting a restaurant is fairly expensive. Uh, the amount of capital you need to start a food truck is usually like one fifth, you know, of a restaurant. Plus the fact that you come from a country and you see the local food scene and you see, hey, you know what? I don't see a Bosnian a food here. I don't see Palestinian food here. I don't see anything from, you know, Pakistan or India, or whatever. Let me let me fill that niche, you know. So then that's where basically what happens is these people who are immigrants like us, you know, I came here 15, 16 years back. I'm a, I'm a citizen now. So, but at one point we were immigrants and we saw that we didn't have good choices for to represent the cuisine from our country. And we didn't have the money to start a full-fledged restaurant to do that. So kind of the mixing of those two made us go ahead and, and open a food truck. And that's probably a lot of people I know have similar stories. And finally, is there anything else you'd like to add? It's been a fun journey. You know, we've enjoyed every bit of it. Um, you know, I would have another food truck in heartbeat if I could. But at the same time, there are other things we have to look at. Our priorities in life have changed. So we've kind of decided to go a different route. And we'll see how this, what happens in this route. And then we'll take it from there. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Now, let's get to the digits of the week, the numbers that matter most in Missouri entrepreneurship. My digit this week is five. Why five? Because the eFactory is seeking startups to join its fifth accelerator program. The program is making a return after being put on pause in 2020 due to the pandemic. The Missouri State University program provides its members mentoring advice, business consultation, and $30,000 in exchange for an 8% stake in the business. Applications for the program are open until May 31st, and the accelerator will kick off July 19th and continue through November 15th. What's your digit? I've chosen $1.7 million. One Kansas City area company just closed a big crowdfunding campaign. Bright Labs raised $1.7 million for its product, ChessUp. ChessUp is a smart chessboard that has a built-in instructor and squares that light up with possible moves. On Kickstarter, the crowdfunding platform, it's now the most funded chess project of all time. That just about concludes our episode. We just need our closing thought. Here's Sid Panshaw with Bombay Food Junkies discussing the importance of kindness in business. Treat the customer like you would like to be treated. And that's been our motto from like day one. I always tell my employees, put yourself in that person's shoes how would you like to be treated would you would you be happy if i said this to you would you be like happy if i did this to you if the answer is no then you're probably doing the wrong thing that's all for this week's episode this has been speaking startup from missouri business alert this episode was produced edited and hosted by jack anstein and me casey murray our theme music was produced by elliot bowman we'll speak to you next time